less than an hour. Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss a different Big Dumb Movie every episode. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Alan. Hello. And Steve. Ahoy, hoy. Hello, fellas. Uh, today we're reviewing Independence Day, which came out in 1996, as directed by Roland Emmerich. And uh, Dean Devlin, who is that, Steve? Is he the writer? Uh, Dean Devlin is a, a producer. Um, he's uh, He has directed stuff in the past. Um, he was a former actor at one point of his career, and uh, he's the founder of a production company called Electric Entertainment, and he and uh, Roland Emmerich have done basically everything together. What other films have they made? I know Godzilla, right? Yeah, Godzilla was one of the movies they made together. Uh, also, Universal Soldier with um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, um, Stargate, um, The 13th Floor, The Patriot with Mel Gibson, um, Eight-Legged Freaks. Uh, really stupid movie. The Day After Tomorrow, 10,000 BC, 2012. A lot of these are like the same movie, 2020 <laughs> and The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, A lot of big dumb movies, actually. Yeah. The you know, pa- The Patriot is surprising there. That was by them? Yeah, that was them. Well, he produced that one, actually. did. Um, I don't think Emmerich directed that oh, one. Oh, okay, but still. There were a few in there, actually, that Emmerich wasn't necessarily involved with, but the, they were together on several of those. You know, so you were mentioning Stargate. Roland yeah. Emmerich said that uh, they came up for the idea of Independence Day uh, yeah. when being interviewed, uh, like when they were touring for Stargate and they yeah. were, you know, marketing it. And I guess he was asked, like, uh, if he believes in aliens, and he said no. And he was asked why, and he said, well, it's just too terrifying a thought to have these, like, giant ships just show up over the Earth one day, and, you know, everyone's in a panic, and... After that, they started working on Independence Day. Right. <laughs> After that, that's the exact movie he made. <laughs> the yeah. version of that story I've heard, and it might not be true, is that he said something specifically to the effect of how terrifying would it be if 15-mile-wide spaceship showed up above Earth? And then he leaned over and to the other and said, um, I think I just came up with an idea for our next movie. You're right. That is exactly. <laughs> you quoted that way better than me. Right. You know, I wouldn't make it like Independence Day, but I think that... It would be the same thing. I kind of think the same thing like that. I'm not obviously afraid of it, but 
If aliens ever shut up, it'd be like that. They would just destroy us. Yeah, it would be pretty bad. I mean, Will Smith would probably not even do anything in real life. Willard? His real name is Willard. (laughs) (laughs) Willard Ufker. (laughs) So, speaking of Will Smith, uh, I have a quick question for you guys about Independence Day before we go into the actual film. Alan, who is your favorite actor in this film? There's a lot of people in here. There's Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Randy Quaid, Alec Baldwin, Brent Spiner, Vivica Fox, and um, the kid that played Buckwheat's in it too. So that's well, pretty good. <laughs> let me tell you, the obvious answer here is Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> the dog. The dog. He is definitely uh, in the top spot. He's a very good boy. What's the, what's the dog's real yeah. name? Do you even know? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> So Will Smith's character's dog in the film is your favorite? Yeah, well, my oh, he's definitely Wait, his my dog favorite. Is his girlfriend's kid's dog. <laughs> good answer. Very good answer. But I, um, I personally like Goldblum. <laughs> if I had to pick a real person besides Boomer, it would have to be actually Bill Pullman. I didn't think his performance was obviously not the highlight of his career or that memorable, but for the movie, I felt like he pulled off his role pretty well and I, I kind of liked his character the most throughout the movie. He's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, I like Goldblum. Uh, Steve, what about you? I'm, oh, man. I mean, I Boomer would probably be at the top of my list, though. But barring that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Goldblum. I mean, Goldblum's always my favorite. He's just so uh, eccentric. What if you couldn't pick Goldblum? I couldn't pick Goldblum? Oh, that's rough. Probably Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Who plays one of the generals. Yeah. I don't really particularly like his character, but I just think like he's a hilarious individual, completely unintentionally on his part. And uh, one of my favorite stories related to the production of the film involved him. So, is, what is, what is it? <laughs> so um, <clears throat> there was one point during shooting where the second assistant director, PA somebody, notified Roland Emmerich that Loja was in a really bad mood and was refusing to come out of his trailer to do his scenes. And it eventually came to light that the reason he was pissed off was because Dean Devlin had been speaking to him a few days before and had meant to suggest that Loja watch a movie from 1970 called Airport. plane in danger film. Like let's spend the whole film trying to prevent a plane crash basically. But instead of recommending airport, which is what he meant to recommend, what he said was airplane, the movie with Leslie Nielsen in it. And although that movie is hilarious, Loja apparently had never seen it and didn't know what it was somehow. So he rented it and watched it. And then because that's what the producer of the film had recommended that he watched to get the feeling for what they were trying to do he thought he'd been duped into doing a spoof movie and was refusing Ad to come out of his trailer to film his scenes. <laughs> so, um, I just, I think that makes him my other favorite actor on oh the film. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> well, I didn't hear that in the commentary. Right. Oh, geez. Well, I, I mean, I noticed you didn't choose Will Smith, the obvious answer. Yeah, no, that's never going to be my choice. <laughs> Why? Will Smith has played like three characters across every film he's ever been in. 
Like, and, and one of the three is just Will Smith. <laughs> like, this movie was very Will Smith at his like peak of being Will Smith. Right. I mean, Bad Boys, Independence Day. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, all three of the Bad Boys movies plus Independence Day. Wild Wild. Uh, well, one of them hasn't Wars. been made yet, but yeah. we can assume it's going to be more of the same. <laughs> like, it's just, he did one movie called Six Degrees of Separation early in his film. I think that's what it's called. Early in his film career, where he basically played a con artist. It was a really interesting film, and he did pretty well in that. And I'll, I'll credit where credits due. He was really good in Ali. But like, oh, uh, uh, what was the one where he was the superhero? Uh, Hancock. Hancock. Yeah, it's another one. It's always just here's where Men in Black. There you go. That's the other one I was meant to think of. Men in Black, and and the sequel to it. Like it's always just here's Will Smith. Like I mean, I guess he's reliable in that regard. But I, you know, the Will um, Smith shtick doesn't doesn't hold up for me. Anymore. So you mentioned in passing before that you don't like Will Smith, and I've been giving it a lot of thought. I I think I have concluded the reason. So I'm going to do a little quiz with you. We're going to do a little exercise here. Okay, you ready? All right. You can answer as much as you want. You can give a yes or no answer if you want, or you can expand. I'm going to name some actors, and I'm going to find out if you like them. Okay. Okay, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yes. Gary Oldman. Yes. Jaden Smith. No. Marlon Wayans. He was funny sometimes. I wouldn't call him an actor I really like, but he was funny occasionally. What about for his acting ability? No. Tyler Perry. No. Martin Lawrence. Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Lawrence is actually potentially a really good actor. He really is. He just, he's crazy. His problem is he's insane. Like, he's not a bad actor. I will say yes. I actually like Martin Lawrence. Okay. So I think based on this, uh, the audience can just glean what they want uh, based on the results of this. <laughs> Whoa, wait, you didn't include like Lawrence Fishburne or Sam Jackson. That's a loaded way to do that. <laughs> like, Morgan Freeman wasn't on that list. <laughs> you can't set it up to make it come out a certain way. It's not fair. Like Marlon Will, no one's going to say yes to Marlon Wayans. I don't care who you're talking to. Like, no one in the history of ever is like, yeah, Marlon Wayans is a great actor. That's oh, fantastic. man, we're going to get DDoSed by some Marlon Wayans fans. Right. We're going to start no. a war. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Dave Chappelle's not on that <laughs> list. That's not fair. Well, I'm sorry, Steve, but uh, this was the test the way it was. It was chosen completely unbiased. I just picked actors at random, and yes. that's what we have. Uh-huh. You put Jaden List on that list by accident. <laughs> Jaden Smith? Yeah, Jaden Smith. I believe that was a mistake. I'd like to point out we also forgot iRobot. Another right. one of yeah, Will Smith's finest another one, movies. Will Smith. He's yeah. being Will Smith. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he was like that a lot uh, throughout the 90s. That was kind of his thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what he's good at, being and Will Smith. This is right there in the middle. This is one of them. This is his, this is a highlight of Will Smith's Will Smith career. I think Will Smith had like a release like this in the 90s like every summer. Yeah. Like every summer, so, like every year there was like a, a movie like it was Independence Day, Men in Black, <laughs> I, Robot, or actually that probably came out in like 2002, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah bad boys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just nonstop Will Smith. But I don't mind Will Smith. I think he's okay. Um, this movie doesn't showcase him as much as I remembered it doing so as a kid. Right. Um, I saw this movie, I think, when right when it came to VHS. Uh, it was probably 10 or 11. And I loved this movie. It's hard to like understate the phenomenon of Independence Day, <laughs> yeah. at least in my world. I remember everyone yeah. liking this movie. I have a hard time now thinking that an 11-year-old would appreciate this movie. 
No, they wouldn't. It's it's dated for sure. But I, the, it was such a big deal, to your point. It was such a big deal that um, Warner Brothers postponed the release of Mars Attacks from the summer to December by almost six months just to avoid having it come out at the same time as this. Right, because they did come out the same year. And Spielberg was planning on doing War of the Worlds way earlier and decided to postpone it so that it wouldn't overlap with this. Wow. Yeah. He actually temporarily, quote unquote, canceled plans to, to make the film because of the hype about I'm about sure it that. would have been a completely different movie if War of the Worlds was a pre-9-11 movie yeah. like this one was. Right. Hey, I have a question about that because you mentioned Mars Attacks which was another big, dumb movie. <laughs> and I remember seeing that. I love that movie. But <laughs> isn't that kind of the same thing they do with the movies with at least two of the same thing? Because isn't that like aliens invading? It's not That's exactly the true. same. But isn't that when they do the double movie? Right. Like Red Planet, Mission to Mars, yeah. and Armageddon, and whatever the other one was called. Good uh, things coming to impact. <laughs> Deep Impact. That's and then right. you put Volcano and Dante's Peak. Peak. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And Independence Day, Mars Attacks. Oh, dude, we got to do one on Daylight with Sylvester Stallone. That's a real good action yeah. survival movie. Yeah. I don't know about that one. They're, they're all trapped in a tunnel in New York, and he's got to like help figure out a way to get like all these people out and have to like dig through in other tunnels. It, it's crazy. I know of it, but <laughs> I haven't seen it. Well, um, tell me your experience, Alan, with Independence Day. What's your history? Okay. Um, I remember seeing it as a kid. I don't remember where I saw it. I honestly don't remember much of it. I remember what I remember the most is like what you guys said of how big a deal it was. I just remember there was a lot of hype about it. And it was like that big summer blockbuster movie. And did it come out in the summer? Yes. Yeah, it was. Of course. Yeah, that's what I remember it being. Just like this huge, big summer blockbuster movie. But otherwise, I don't have much detail about it. Hmm. Uh, Just to expand on what I said before, before I get to you, Steve, Mm. I had an independence Day action figure i sent the picture of like the one i had to alan recently was it the alien with yeah the armor that opened up yeah i had two of those so i keep the second one in the box no way absolutely you still have it yes i do oh my god <laughs> so i had that as a kid and it came with a floppy disk and that was my first introduction to playing a game on a computer wow yeah that's cool i mean other than rodent's revenge <laughs> like an, a game from an outside source was from that and it was just like this thing where you click on the alien eggs and they open up and like there's colors inside and you gotta like do something with them. It was really bad, but yeah. I was like, I have a computer game. It was like this one floppy disk. <laughs> we have to make a video now where we get a USB floppy disk drive and connect it to like a Windows 10 computer <laughs> so we can play this game. There are people Not worth it. that make music by using a, a, a command window that'll lend them, let them run commands to a floppy drive. And they'll, they'll just write in commands that force the heads to run in a certain way that makes sounds yeah. in a certain pattern, and they'll turn it into music. They have a, I've seen a couple of them yeah. where they have like a bunch of them, I guess yeah. dozens. Sometimes people rip up dozens. Yeah, and then when this head moves, it makes like the sound. So they're like, okay, send function, like read, read. And then it, right. in the whole pattern with everything set up, it makes like crazy music. What an interesting hobby to have. Yeah, Absolutely. it's really trippy. I've seen that. Well, but, Steve, what's your history? Yeah. You got any good stories? My, my parents took me as a crossover with one another episode which will rarely ever happen my parents took me with them fourth of july weekend on a vacation to see this in a theater which they would not have done if i had not been with them but it was the summer that i couldn't go to sleepaway camp because i broke my wrist the night before i was supposed to go and spent most of the same trip laying on the couch in the 
bed, living room of their suite watching from dusk till dawn on the TV in their living room. So, yeah, I think one of the nights I was there with my dad said, fuck, I feel bad for you. We're sitting around in the hotel by yourself, so let's go see a movie. And it was it was like opening night. We went to go see Independence Day. Did you like it? You know, at the time, I really did enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I was yeah, 13. I did too. I remember liking it. Um, it's still okay now, but as I mentioned earlier, I think it's just pretty dated now. The stupidness of this movie was way more acceptable back then. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Like, at the time, it wouldn't have been regarded as being stupid. It was just, like, part and parcel of the way that kind of movie was being made. And yeah, it was epic back then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did do some big things for production. Um, this movie still holds the record for the amount of miniature model work it required to um, to produce the, the miniatures that they blew up, the buildings. Some people think that record will never be broken because all that stuff is done digitally now. Yeah, it is. And the explosions in this movie, which um, happened around the end of Act 1, when the alien ships, you know, they slowly go over the big cities, oh, L.A. The White, House. the White House one was the most epic one. Yes. Right. Yeah, because it's like right in the middle. And then the huge laser and the, the explosion was just way drawn out. They used nine different cameras to film that miniature being blown up. And the miniature was built to some some ultra-specific scale and was super intricate. And they used nine different cameras, one of which ran, I think, slightly faster than normal, specifically so they could blend the footage in a way that made it seem like it took longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, those things are really impressive. It was. Probably still to this day the most impressive thing about that production. Yeah, imagine working on that and, like, planning that. And... It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Well, what do you guys say we get into it? Um, this film starts on July 2nd. They break up the three acts in days, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Um, it, I mean, it kicks off into the plot right away and our character introductions as far as what's happening because the first thing that happens in this film is like some space command center finds out there's uh, an alien signal in space, yeah. abruptly followed by incoming ships into the country. I believe it's an Assetti outpost. Oh, yeah. I love that beginning because it's, it's almost like the movie Contact. <laughs> right. Where, it is like the movie Contact. Yeah. You know what? The um, the director mentioned that it's like the movie Contact in they the have, commentary. They have the guy and he's supposed to be like the guy. He's uh, he's playing mini golf and he's like bored because nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, so this, like, this sound comes in. And then he has to call his boss like, sir, you have to hear this. You won't believe it. And he's like, holds up the phone to the... <laughs> To the speaker. You know that new signal you're looking yeah. for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> oh, this I movie would have been much better for yeah. the presence of Marty McFly. <laughs> so the one guy has to alert him, and then it just starts expanding from there throughout. The it also reminds movie. me of The Arrival. Not Arrival, yeah. but The Arrival. Right. You've seen it, Steve, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one, man. Yeah. <laughs> wait, I wait. I always conflate which one's which. That's the one with Charlie Sheen, right? Yeah. 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 I saw that in a theater with a friend of mine and the AMC in the Promenade Mall on Topanga when it was still a hot theater to go see stuff at. We were in the very top row, right below the projector window. The theater was virtually empty. We both got so bored halfway through, we were laid out sleeping across the seats. Oh, I like that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, screw you, man. No, it's fine. (laughs) Aliens manipulating small black holes makes tons of sense. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember the plot at all, but I remember the feeling I had and I was liking it, okay? (laughs) I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> so, uh, July 2nd, we uh, we see the alien ships come in right away. Um, through a series of explosive scene transitions, we meet our main characters. Um, I'd, I'd say there's 
three, but there's kind of actually four. Now, there's a lot of characters in this movie, but the four main ones is we got um, the president of the United States, who is Bill Pullman, uh, who I used to always call Bill Paxton, by the way. Yes. Different guy. This guy's going to die. <laughs> yeah. If, if it was President Paxton, it'd be a completely different scenario. <laughs> Everyone panic. So we got President Bill Pullman, who's like, um, he was like a former military guy. And you get the idea that he was elected because he was like this strong military presence. But it seems like the public is kind of disappointed in him because he seems kind of, they describe him as a wimp in the media. He he was a former jet fighter. Yeah. Which you will find out comes in handy later. <laughs> but he's supposed to have been like a, a fighter jet hero during the first Gulf War in 1991. And like, there was virtually, the air war was almost non-existent. I mean, the Iraqi Air Force did not. It was just like three days to take the whole thing out. They were done. So, I, like, I don't know, that's the war he somehow became a hero in. He's like, he was like, well, the one firefight. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, cause there were like three of those, the whole war, and then their air force was done. So, like, okay. maybe, Maybe not exactly a fair fight. Right, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, they were, I mean, come on, how are they going to fight back? That's not fair. I made a quick note before we get into the characters about, uh, you mentioned it, the transitions, and my note makes it the sound cuts when they do the the transitions they make like a really weak gunshot sound almost i don't know how to describe it but they make like a really weak sound to make it seem more intense and i don't know why that just threw me off or i didn't like that it does catch your attention you know like these scene transitions I, i don't think are supposed to draw your attention but these ones do it's like this, like a like a loud camera shutter almost. It's like, yeah, you know? and then it cuts to the next scene. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, who else we got other than Bill Pullman, Alan? Uh, why don't you tell me about uh, Jeff Goldblum? What's he, what's he about? Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is like an IT technician in a, a cable news broadcast technician, satellite broadcast technician for like a news studio, and his dad. He's like supposed to be close to his dad, which is Judd Hirsch. But Jeff Goldblum's like this uh, OCD kind of uptight. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to describe him. He's just like a weird dude almost. <laughs> they make they make him seem kind of weird. He's pretty Goldblumy, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he, I guess, is like a kind of like an underachiever dude. Like he has like all this prestigious. Like he went to MIT for a long time, and he could be doing anything. But you know, he's just working for this. Like kind of you know mediocre company, he yeah. he he gets a lot of shit for not doing bigger things. And basically. he's supposed to be super smart or talented. Yeah, and yeah. they make that obvious pretty quick because while the whole world is discovering this signal, he also figures it out as well and more. Like he, not only does he detect the signal that everyone else detects, he detects an additional signal of the alien ships communicating with each other. Um, I remember this line as a kid: "They're using our own satellites against us." But I don't remember what it meant until I rewatched it. And that's how like the alien ships, they have to bounce their signal off of our satellites to get the whatever their communication signal around the planet. Yeah. And somehow Jeff Goldblum's the guy who figured this out. (laughs) He's the only guy. (laughs) And he has to race to Washington to warn everyone because no one else knows about this, but he figured it out. Yeah. I mean, these ships are like directly above like major monuments like the White House and stuff. And, um, you know, the government's immediate thought is we got to get the president out of here. But he's like, no, I got to I got to appear to be strong and not panic in front of the people. 
But here comes Jeff Goldblum like, no, you got to panic. I'm sorry. Well, he, you know, one of the things they start lacing in right away is that the presence of the alien ships and the signal they're broadcasting is interfering with with television broadcasts. <clears throat> and when Goldblum's character first gets told about what's going on by Harvey Firestein, they don't even know the ships are there yet. He just says we're having this weird problem with the broadcast and there's this extra data there that shouldn't be there. So Goldblum's character is supposed to be a genius, but at the same time, he had a head start on everybody else. If he hadn't been a tech at this specific broadcast center, he wouldn't have gotten pegged with figuring out what was going on. It was only because he already knew that there was extra data in their broadcast signal that he then went, well, what's that extra data? And figured out that they were counting down. That's a good point. You know, he should have used that against people when they started giving him shit later on, like his ex-wife. Right. I'll accept that. When you put it like that, that makes slightly more sense. Right. Because, you know, if you already know there's something extra there, you might you might go looking to see, well, what, what's the extra? The thing is with this film, these are the points that are easily missed. Right. And that, and I forgot about completely because no one really gives a shit about this. That's not what anyone remembers about this movie. That's not what anyone will tell you this movie is about. No. We were quick to judge Goldblum. Right. We were like, like Steve was quick to judge Will Smith. Well, By the end of this podcast, I'm confident that you'll appreciate his acting ability. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, um, I remember the one scene, well, I remember the movie when I saw it, um, but I love the part, and it's a small part, when they're showing the news broadcast, when everyone's panicking when the ships first arrive, and they have the picture with the handgun, and it's, like, crossed off, and it says, don't shoot, like, at the ships. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get that picture, because it's just so funny, because it shows them pointing the gun, and it has the cross. It's like a very American newscast. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know you guys all have guns, but don't You're, fire like, them up at the yeah, aliens. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny, like, touch to the... Buckwheat doesn't follow that advice, remember? He's shooting aliens. (laughs) Right. Fucking Buckwheat. (laughs) Little fucking dipshit. (laughs) Screw you, you little dipshit. Fuck you, you little dipshit. Uh, He's all right. No, actually, he's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't bother me. Oh, yeah, and Jeff Goldblum's uh, supposed to be divorced. He's not over his ex-wife, which they bring up a lot. Yeah, his ex-wife is like the main assistant to the president, apparently. Yes, yeah. She's like the chief of staff or something. I think she's supposed to be the equivalent of like uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, and and what it appears to be, if you have no knowledge of politics, as is the case for me pretty much, she just basically seems like the most important secretary in the world, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She like, just basically does like, oh, I need this. Go do this. Get these people. Get these people on the phone. And she's like, I'm on it, sir. Like, she just basically does everything for him. And that's his uh, ex-wife. That yeah. Not over. That he stalks. <laughs> yeah, he does kind of stalk her. But real quick, so we got uh, Jeff Goldblum, one main character, Bill Pullman, another main character, Will Smith. Steve, since you are such a Will Smith enthusiast, how would you describe his character? And do you know his character's name? Um. I've forgotten his character's name. I did too. <laughs> I'm not I, I've forgotten all the characters' names. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't remember his character's name. Uh, I mean, look, he, he's he's Will Smith, except this time he's a fighter pilot. Right. Like, I'll take it. Right. What can you tell me about his character, though? Anything? Uh, his character is uh, when we first meet him is living somewhere in the LA area. Well, he's on leave from the U.S. Marines. He's a pilot. He's staying with his girlfriend somewhere in LA. 
Captain he's, Stephen Hiller. There you go. He's my name, and I still forgot what it was. Um, <laughs> that's that's really terrible. That's right. That is your name, Captain <laughs> Stephen Hiller. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, fucking, he's he's supposed to be based out of El Toro. Okay, here's one thing I I learned that I'll give him credit for. <clears throat> I always thought that El Toro was a made up base and that it was supposed to be an analogy for Edwards Air Force Base, which is up near the top of the Angeles National Forest. It turns out El Toro is actually a Marine Corps flight base and it's down in Irvine. So the bay or near Irvine. So the base he's supposed to be based out of El Toro is down near Irvine. And uh, uh, he gets called back when the aliens get introduced. Yes. So he has to report back to duty right away. Um, Will Smith is kind of like a Will Smithy, like you said. But in addition to that, they try to bring up this point that um, he wants more. You know, he he oh, doesn't yeah. he doesn't want to just settle for being in the Air Force. He wants to actually like join NASA yeah. and you know make trips to space. He's very motivated and he's very like prideful in his duty and service. Right now, yeah. they bring up this thing in the movie that doesn't make any sense that. He can't join NASA because his girlfriend, Vivica Fox, is a stripper. Now you're never going to get to fly the space shuttle if you marry a stripper. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on with that. <laughs> like, what the fuck does that even mean? Oh, and he has to choose between her and his career. Yeah, like, why? Because she's a stripper. That's low. You can't let strippers... His friend, his best friend, even says, like, yeah, you'll ne- they'll never let you join NASA while you're dating a stripper, man. <laughs> <laughs> he has to break up with his girlfriend to get a job. Like, what is that? Wasn't there a whole thing where they like found like traces of cocaine at NASA a while ago? I thought they were like, <laughs> I swear they found like cocaine at people's desks or something. Is that where you left it? <laughs> I'm just saying, that was like a thing. I had no, I had never heard anything about that. <laughs> now, all right, so we got those three main characters. There's one other guy that is kind of a main character. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Judd Hirsch. No, I mean, he's up there. He's kind of like Jeff Goldblum's sidekick for most of the movie. We have not mentioned Mary McDonald yet. Mary McDonald's in it, but I wouldn't call her main character. Sure. The person I'm referring to, and maybe he's not since you guys aren't thinking of it, is Randy Quaid. Oh, oh yes, yeah, that's yes. true. Randy Quaid as himself. Wrestling. It says that in the credits, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, the real Randy Quaid's way more insane than that character. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. Worse than this guy. Quaid, oh, yeah, much. So let's talk about that in a sec. Randy Quaid in the film is a drunk that he's like a pilot that's a crop duster. He served in Nam. Um, He claims to have been abducted by aliens, which probably was true, actually, come to think of it. And I guess he he has like kids that live in their like trailer, but they're kind of poor. And he just basically gets drunk and doesn't do his job very well because of it. He's kind of, you know, a loser. He's introduced by um, crop dusting the wrong farm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so his introduction is that he's totally inept and he's drunk and he's just this loser, has been, can't do his job right. Right. And Dean Devlin was saying that they wanted to make him an alcoholic, but like a movie alcoholic. <laughs> so he's not like that bad. You know, he's just kind of like, you kind of just shrug and like, oh, this guy, you know, yeah, like, it's Randy. like the half empty bottle, like, oh, he's been drinking. <laughs> It's there not like tragic, is. like <laughs> right? Yeah, like you know, this person's gonna kill themselves. They need an intervention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like the funny drunk. Yeah, movie drunks. Movie you know? drunk. Gotta love them. It's like a socially acceptable drunk. So, 
I'd say he's up there because you do spend a lot of time with him, like independently of the main story. Like it goes back to his character a lot until it's finally interwoven with the rest of the main story. What, what were you going to say about his craziness outside of the film? <laughs> For those of us that are not educated on all it. All right. So I don't necessarily remember all the details, but I do know that A, at one point, him and his wife skipped out on a massive hotel bill. They stayed in this hotel for weeks, weeks, and then just decided to leave without paying. I saw that. They got in trouble for that because yeah. it's like a real big problem or felony, I right. think. Police because got involved. There was like soon. tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. It was a huge yeah. amount of money. Um, they were found living in the guest house of a property in Santa Barbara. And had the police called on them because they were not, it wasn't their home. They weren't supposed to be living there. They were just living in a guest house in Santa Barbara. And they told the police that they had actually owned that home and that someone forged their signature to sell it. And that they didn't realize that the house had been sold and they were living in the guest house because they thought the house still belonged to them. And a list of other things happened at the peak of which... He and his wife escaped up to Canada. He tried filing for for asylum with the Canadian government. And when you apply for asylum, you have to have a significant reason. Like, there's a civil war happening in the country I came from. Your life Um, is in imminent danger. My life is in imminent danger. Like, the town I came from is controlled by a drug lord. I'd like to think he went to them and was like, I was abducted by aliens. It's not that far off. It's not that far off. He went to them and said he was applying for asylum because the film industry had a grudge against him and that they'd enlisted the help of a group of hired assassins that he calls the Star Killers and that they were after him and attempting to murder him and that he needed to escape to Canada in order to avoid being killed by them. He also claimed that these people were responsible for like killing Heath Ledger and like I think Joaquin Phoenix or not River Phoenix and a whole bunch of other people. So the, the dude is just batshit. I bet when he saw The Force Awakens and Starkiller Base, <laughs> when they showed it destroy planets, he probably just lost his shit. He's even like, oh, that's the, look, that's them. They're the Illuminati. <laughs> They're telling everyone what they are. You don't even see it. Oh, he's one of those nutbags. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being that immigration officer or like the people working with him and right. just like listening to this or having to like try to process this and then telling him no. Right. Like, who did he tell this to? <laughs> yeah. He had this, somebody working in the Canadian yeah. Ministry of, of, of Immigration, whatever or they whatever, call it, yeah. had to sit there and, and read over paperwork from Randy Quaid claiming that he was <laughs> looking for asylum from the United States because a bunch of studio assassins were trying to kill him for no reason. Like... <laughs> So he's insane. They're like, well, I see that you were also in the movie Vacation. So, uh, granted. <laughs> yeah. You did. Oh, you know, you reappeared in Vegas Vacation. So you did two good things. You like Vegas Vacation? It's definitely not the best one, but I find it entertaining. You know what? It's weird that you say that because you're the only other guy I've met that has accepted that as well. Most people, if I ask them about Vegas Vacation, they say it's bad. I, I, don't, no, I, don't, I don't think bad. it's bad. It's not. I don't think it's funny. I, See, I think it's funny, but it's not like... But like, I, you know what? I could put it on and just watch it. I yeah. can watch Vegas Vacation. Yeah, I find it sort of amusing. It's, I mean, look, European Vacation and the original one are the best ones, but... What about Christmas? Oh, you know what? You know what? You're right. You're, I always conflate the first one and Christmas and forget they were separate films. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a fantastic okay. one. Yeah. Alan, what's your favorite of the vacation films? <laughs> you guys are going to hate me. <laughs> it's Vegas. He hasn't I've, seen any. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. I knew I'm it. I'm aware of them. I've seen scenes of like the first one. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm aware of them, but I haven't right. seen them. Yeah, they're, they're probably right. dated. Anyway, so Independence Day. Uh, we left off with our main character. So we get to meet them all in the first act, and we find out what we went over about Can them. I make one little footnote about Mary McDonald's character? Yeah. Mary McDonald reportedly took the part in this film on the basis of one phone call with her agent in which all he said was that it was about 15 mile wide spaceships. Wow. <laughs> I wonder how she got cast for Galactica. They're like, it's, it's about much, much smaller spaceships, but there's more. There's many of them. And you'll, you'll sort of end up being the president of one of them. Like, I liked the part in the first act when Will Smith is sleeping at home with his uh, girlfriend and his son and the ships come in and everything starts shaking because the ships are there. But Will Smith casually brushes it off like a like a casual earthquake. <laughs> you know how it is out here in California. You got those casual fucking earthquakes. <laughs> the whole house shakes like that. Even if it was that, that's a big earthquake. Your whole house is shaking. And Will Smith kind of like begrudgingly just rolls over like, ah, oh, go back to bed. <laughs> they just don't seem to care. And it takes them so long to realize there's like a spaceship above them it does take him a while in fact it takes him a lot longer than everyone yeah. around him his kid has to come be like hey there's aliens outside he's like shut up buckwheat <laughs> the fuck up buckwheat i'm not your dad uh buckwheat's cool he's all right yeah, buckwheat is way cooler than will smith's actual kid jaden smith yeah. alan's favorite actor right <laughs> Well, we'll get to Jaden Smith because uh, I think we're going to review some of his movies at some point in the future. Oh, there's a really there's a really great part here where after uh, the aliens come right around here, Will Smith he explains to um, the girlfriend that he has to go back to his service and they need him because um, the aliens are there. I think he's supposed to go <laughs> because back. there's fucking aliens yeah. outside. So he's like, you know, that's that's basically what he says. He's like, I gotta go, you know. And then she's like, oh, you can take us or whatever. And he's like, no, no. And then he finally gives in. He's like, okay, well, maybe you can stay at the base. Which brings up the point, like, why didn't he say that the first time? He's trying to get the fuck out of there. He's trying to get the fuck away from Buckwheat. (laughs) He was trying to escape his wife or his girlfriend and kid. And then he finally is like, oh, well, actually, they can hold you at the base. So it's okay. (laughs) I mean, I figured you'd be safe with all these giant alien ships milling around. But fine, I guess come with me. (laughs) They probably come in peace. (laughs) Look, everything's fine. We're going to nuke them. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. It's, it's very uplifting at the end. Trust me. Uh, so the actual government does try to welcome the aliens in some weird way with uh, a helicopter called a welcome wagon. That's what they call it anyway. Oh, yeah. So they attach a bunch of lights to this helicopter and they fly it up next to the alien ship and they just start flashing lights at it. And the alien ship just like shoots them with one little laser burst and destroys them. Um. That helicopter was a Russian helicopter called the Sikorsky. Oh, I was and wondering. <laughs> it, well, they, they, they found it and they rigged it up because they liked the way it looked. And they did a test flight with it. And apparently when they did the test flight with it, um, people, like 150 people in Orange County, I guess which is near there where they were doing the test flight, called the police to report an alien craft. <laughs> Ironic. Right. Um. So where were we at in the story? So Jeff Goldblum has found this signal, which is um, essentially he's deduced that it's a countdown.
And this is when he has to warn the president, or he has to warn everyone because they don't know this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the only one that's figured it out. So they head into Washington, and he like hacks into like their phones or something to find him. I what? love the device he puts on the roof of his car because they park outside the White House, and then Jeff Goldblum, being the the genius he is, he puts like this weird opening antenna device on his roof <laughs> and the device looks absolutely ridiculous it like this like metal shell that like opens up yeah it's like something out of ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. and that's how he gets his connection it's like a little mini satellite he attached to his room and he finds out exactly where they are in the room he's yeah. like go look out the window and he's like right there yeah I, that device is so ridiculous i mean at the time it looks cool but now when we watched it i was just what is that <laughs> well he tells them there's a countdown and um that it can't be good I mean, they don't know for sure, but they're all safely assuming here that, uh, you know, after the clock hits zero, they're going to start attacking them, which they do pretty promptly. So they leave the White House, and this is where we get, like, the um, uh, the big scenes from this film. The White House getting blown up. A bunch. Of, what other buildings, Steve, get taken out in this film? The White House, the U.S. Bank Tower in Los Angeles, which at the time and up to about a year ago was the tallest building west of the Mississippi. Um, uh, the Empire State Building in New York City, and I think there was one in like Chicago. Yeah, maybe it was the Sears Tower. I think I'm missing one or two there. Yeah, a few yeah. others. I, I'm pretty sure off screen too. Like this is happening all around the world. Yeah, they're right? just showing yeah. all the major places getting like nuked or destroyed. Yeah, I mean the we talked about it a bit, but the effects look pretty damn good considering. Yeah, I mean it's because it's all practical. It doesn't age the way CG does. Yeah, I mean, it's came out uh, one year after Power Rangers. <laughs> I will say, watching it recently right now, the, I thought that the effects did hold up pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's some other stuff I can complain about, but <laughs> the explosion still looked good because, like you said, I guess practical just works for a while. Right. Yeah, and the the, the blasts have, like, a pretty wide radius, so, it, like, yeah. I think all of L.A. is taken out or something? Yeah. Yeah, they get most of L.A. I think they get most of, like, Houston... A bunch of places. Yeah. And the the, the vice president, who we never get to meet, uh, dies off screen. Right. They say that they lost NORAD. Um, what's NORAD about? NORAD is like the main hub for America's military defense network, basically. There's a lot of control and, and communications that goes through there. And it's buried at the base of a mountain, I believe in a range in Colorado, specifically to prevent it from being bombable. Like, it was put there on purpose so that if the U.S. ever gets strategically bombed or missile-striked by another country, that NORAD would be effectively impossible to take out. So, I mean, they obviously, they're supposed to have these massive ships, these huge, powerful weapons, but they would have had to blast through a mountain into the ground in order to blow out NORAD. NORAD crazy. is crazy. I saw a documentary on it once, and out of the many things, one of the things I remember they showed is that the whole foundation the whole base built into the mountain has these huge like absolutely huge you know i don't even know how to describe it like they look like they're a couple of feet long but they have these springs built into the base so if there's an earthquake if there happens to be an earthquake the whole thing can move a foot in any direction yeah. so it won't like collapse or fuck up they have these like crazy springs built into the foundation wow it's all hardened against yeah. emps i mean it's insane it really is meant to be able to continue like to operate even if we get that sounds yeah. pretty badass it, it is, is dude. well it's guess crazy. what it gets taken the fuck out by these aliens <laughs> right no match baby 
So we have just seen so far their offensive capabilities. Now it goes to July 3rd, next day, Act 2. Um, in July 3rd, this is when things start getting a little more fun in the film. This is, this is the Independence Day that most people remember. Um, I mean, obviously the explosions, but like the fun aspect of the film. Right. I mean, there's a lot of tonal shifts that are, to be honest, quite abrupt and jarring in this film. Yeah. But it goes to fun. And by fun, I mean it's like Will Smith and he's gathering up the troops and he says he wants to whoop E.T.'s ass, which is really funny. I have to go back a scene because we forgot one of the, probably the best scene in the whole movie is um, when L.A. gets hit with the laser and his girlfriend's in the tunnel and they're trying to escape and uh, the fire's like consuming everything and they're running through the tunnel and she hides in like this like corner pocket on the side and then everything's blowing up and you see Boomer running the between the cars. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And at the last second, he jumps into like the little tunnel piece and you see everything blowing up behind him. Yeah, he jumps to safety. That scene right there where he's jumping and everything's exploding behind him, that looks terrible. That's dated. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. That part does look <laughs> yeah, bad. It looks bad. <laughs> Just like it looks really I mean, Roland Emmerich said that uh, jumping. the audiences uh, were really happy about that scene as yeah, well. So. I love that scene, yeah. Because Boomer makes it. Mind everyone else that died. <laughs> Boomer made it. So Boomer, it's your favorite character? Yeah. Have you seen the Nostalgia Critic video about Independence Day? He has yeah. that meme, Boomer will live. <laughs> funny so <laughs> boomer lives in the best scene of the movie yeah all right good call yeah <laughs> so uh at this point you know our country and i assume others decides to enlist their their best will smith and strike back uh so will smith and a bunch of other pilots they go to i guess you know launch an attack on the alien ships and this is where we find out that they have these shields around them it's very Star Trek-y shields. They fire missiles at them, and this, they fire anything at them. They're just immediately absorbed. Oh, like green, where it shows like the green glow when it hits the shield. It's like blue. I, I like that effect, actually. I yeah. thought that was cool, because you don't see it until a certain point, and it only affects a small area, so it doesn't show the whole shield. Yeah, it's like an invisible bubble yeah. around it that you can only see if you, know, you try to hit yeah. it with something. That effect was really good, I thought. It's kind of, though, the classic Star Trek shields is it what is. it is, you know? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so we have our big attack against the ship. Um, you know, Will Smith says he's going to whoop their ass, but, uh, they pretty much all get taken out. Will Smith ends up like flying against one other alien ship, like in a kind of one-on-one through the mountains. And he ends up beating it by, what does he do? He, like launches his parachute into like their window or something. So the alien can't see it and then they crash. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, Will Smith, like, he ejects out of his plane and he goes to like capture the alien or whatever and he punches it and he does like the welcome to earth line. Yeah. That's right! That's right! Get off! Get off! That's what you get! <laughs> Look at you! Ship all banged up! Who's the man? Huh? Who's the man? Wait till I get another plane! I'm lining all your friends up right beside you! Where you at, huh? Huh? Where you at? Ah. Welcome to Earth. 
That's what I call a close encounter. That's a great line. Yeah, that this is what Steve loves about Will Smith, I'm yeah, sure. There are so many problems with the scene in general, and then capping it off with just more of Will Smith's Will Smithisms. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the big part of this battle is just a complete knockoff of, of the X-Wings getting to the Death Star for the first time at the end of Episode Four, Which is already a knockoff of other films. Oh, but... yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fucking, well, I, like, yeah, I, yeah, Lucas assembles from a lot of other movies, but yeah. I mean, there's a scene where you, they ought to pull up before they impact on the on the surface of the Death Star, and you know, watch your six, and I'll try to follow you, and then oh, this guy got hit. Hobby, I've been hit. <laughs> right. I lost my gunner. I lost my <laughs> They're all dropping off one by one. Look, yeah. I was expecting somebody to talk about how their R two unit was fried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Maybe you can splice that red in. leader. But then, <laughs> right? And but then you know, Smith gets the alien to crash. He gets the hatch open on the ship and he punches the thing. It's wearing this incredibly heavy-duty alien armor. Yeah, they call it the biomechanical armor. Yeah. How... Are you telling me a human being can just punch this thing once through the armor and it's out? Yep. Will Smith is no mere Will Smith, bro. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's Hancock. He was just... It was Hancock (laughs) living a different life. Yeah, he was channeling his Hancock. Right. Well... You know what's one. funny is because they uh, that alien gets taken to Area 51 later, and it it wakes up while they're operating on it, and it starts taking out a bunch of scientists, yeah. and they end up shooting it to take it out, but they should have just been like, get Will Smith in here, and he just punches right. it once, and he goes back down. <laughs> oh, man. That's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. That's pretty good. It's a cool one. Uh, let's talk about that in a minute, actually. Um, we got the boomer thing. Um I don't know if we want to talk too much about this because Mary McDonald's pretty underutilized. Yeah. Um, she's the first lady and she's out there with Vivica Fox and like a bunch of other random people Survivors. that survived somehow. Yeah. There's not a lot of them. There's like two trucks full of people that survived in LA apparently. And um, yeah, she she gets rescued by Vivica Fox. Any thoughts on that? No, nah. not really. No? It's, just, it's supposed to show everything's like ruined. Everything's charred, destroyed. Only a few people survive. But Will Smith's girlfriend and Buckwheat survive. And so Boomer. That's cool. Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> Boomer's really the big Who would you rather have lived, Buckwheat or Boomer? Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> oh, man. You guys got no love for the little rascals. No, I mean, look, what's the number for 911? <laughs> <laughs> the Little Rascals movie was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Right? You know what? And I like that kid in it, actually. So, but yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got a dollar, man. He did. Well, let's talk about the the thing we want to talk about then. Area 51. Because that comes up pretty shortly after. Yes. I mean, Will Smith drags the alien, literally drags it to Area 51. Will Smith puts it in the back of a truck because he meets the convoy of all the the RV or the whole group that's like moving. Mm -hmm. And he has the alien. And that's when they show up to Area 51, they won't let him in, obviously. Did they ever explain why there's a massive convoy of RVs going to Area 51? They weren't going there. They were just going somewhere else, but I, I don't know where. Will Smith. They uh, were just like moving because... I guess they wanted to be outside reasons. the cities. Yeah. Yeah. So they meet up with Will Smith, and then he has the alien. And then they all go to Area 51, and they won't be let in. So Will Smith's answer is like, okay, look at this. And he shows them the alien. But then 
they let everybody else in as well. Yeah, they let every single person. <laughs> yeah. Dozens of RVs into one of the most classified military sites in the entire country. Not just West uh, they got an alien. alien. Right. Let them all in, everyone. Let them in. Come on in, everybody. What if they're it's like, fun. well, an alien gets you and 20 friends in? <laughs> and right. he like puts a point. After this point, no one else can yeah. come in. If you have a ship, you could bring 200 people in. <laughs> you only have one alien. <laughs> we already have three. So I want to make a footnote here again about Area 51. I think this is sort of interesting. Once they get in there, there's a command center. There's a huge computer system set up in the command center. It's an IBM computer system called the Combat Direction Central. They were built in 1954 to protect the U.S. from a Soviet bomber attack. It was the largest and heaviest computer system ever built. It weighed 6,000 tons and took up an entire floor of a bomb-proof blockhouse. And the studio had pieces of a decommissioned system that had been used in a couple of other movies during the 60s and 70s, and they assembled those and used them as the command center components in the uh, in Area 51 to give it a kind of like 50s feel. So that's what we see? It's what we see. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. It is cool. I think Area 51 has um, some of the best moments because... Oh, yeah. Well, most notably because we get to meet Lieutenant Commander Data. Yes. Brent Spiner. My Brent favorite. Spiner. Uh, I'm sure no one remembers his character name, so let's just call him Brent Spiner. Yeah, it's some kind of weird name. It's like Doctor, right? That's his it, name? It's brackish, <laughs> brackish something. Ah, who cares? So, Brent Spiner, uh, how would you describe him, Steve, as the lead Area 51 scientist guy? He's clearly spent too much time in sub-basements of government buildings dissecting aliens. <laughs> like, he's got this wispy gray hair, and he's clearly a little little off his rocker. I mean, he's not dangerous, but he's just like, he's nutty about all this alien shit. And um, he's pretty enthusiastic that at the, at the prospect of there being more alien shit. He, he takes them in. To a room where they're storing the bodies of the aliens that's just supposedly crashed in Roswell and shows them a ship that, that they captured at the same time. That That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. When the he ship shows reveal? Them, yeah, the ship reveal and the and the alien bodies in the floating in the tanks. Um, I loved that effect the first time I saw it. I still think it's cool. It's just kind of, I mean, I've always been weirdly obsessed with like the whole idea of like 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 alien freak shows and stuff it seems weird to me but like that's yeah like in the tube and it's like half of them are like weird looking right yeah they're kind of like mutilated and like you know you can tell they're trying to preserve them but they're deteriorating right you know and that was that was a really creepy moment there's a similar scene to that in alien resurrection it's my favorite part of that movie oh yeah that's a crazy (laughs) but uh yeah it's pretty weird it's pretty weird stuff and uh the surgery part is pretty awesome with, with the, the armor folds open at the face and they get to the little alien guy inside. They wanted the bodies, the alien bodies, to look slimy and they used KY jelly on them to do it. They literally bought hundreds of pounds of KY jelly for the production of this film so they could slather the alien props They in couldn't it. just use Vaseline. I know, I guess not. They were like, no, only KY looks right. And Maybe pretty, Roland Emmerich just had a bunch of that. With, right? And when, when they were filming the desert scenes where uh, Will Smith gets into the ship, they had to do multiple takes and the alien kept drying out because it was too hot outside. 
So some some probably production assistant had to have like huge jars of KY. He just kept slathering his puppet in jelly. The alien, you know? <laughs> yeah. Go slather. Can you imagine Roland Emmerich, the German accent? He's like, go slather the alien. <laughs> Needs more jelly. <laughs> Needs more KY. He's looking dry. <laughs> we gotta get that guy on the podcast. Like, whose job was that? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's on someone's resume. Yeah. Someone reach out and find the production assistant who was responsible for slathering the alien props with KY on Independence Day. <laughs> that man is out there <laughs> right, that somewhere <laughs> sir if you ever hear this I will pay you to come on the show <laughs> write in bigdumbmovie at gmail.com <laughs> I'm sure we'll be hearing from you right maybe from your lawyers <laughs> so uh, um, and we got area 51 that surgical scene you said is, is pretty cool during yeah. that whole there's a during that whole moment there's a big thing that happens with them. Um, the alien kind of wakes up while they're performing surgery and it takes out all the scientists and it's trapped in like this room that's, you know, it has glass walls and the president's on the other side of the glass and the aliens, they don't have mouths like Brent Spiner describes. They don't communicate verbally. He assumes that they have some sort of uh, telepathy. So the alien is communicating through Brent Spiner who it's like is basically strangling and holding him up against the glass and uh, has a conversation with the president. much we can learn from each other if we can negotiate a truce we can find a way to coexist can there be a peace between us Do you have any more to add? <laughs> no, I thought you. I thought you were cutting. I thought you were cutting a, a sound clip in there. That's, that's the quote that's going to go on the oh, YouTube crap. video. I thought. I thought you were editing a, a sound clip because we paused. Yeah, you're right. I should. I, I. I have is what I should say. Oh. I have. I put it in there a few minutes ago. <laughs> um, but he's talking. <laughs> He's talking to the alien, and the alien's like, let me out, and he basically says, like, oh, there's no peace, and we're going to destroy you, and it's really grim. He's like, yeah, you guys are screwed. Yeah, the president actually gets some extra info, too. He, he, like For some reason, the plan that the aliens have is revealed to him in that conversation that these aliens, they just go from planet to planet. They wipe out all the natives, and they consume all the natural oh, resources it, yeah. on the planet, and uh, Earth is next. That's when he decides to use nukes, which is not a good idea, but he decides to do it. All the missiles you've shot at this thing up till now literally either impacted on the surface or bounced off of it. Like, now you want to do that with nukes so they'll fall down onto the cities below? Like, you're just irradiating huge American cities. Then they do. Yeah. They do at least one nuke, right? They, or is it just one? I think it's just the one that gets off. Yeah. Did they say where that was? That might have been the Houston one. <laughs> oh my god how funny new houston it's fine <laughs> well if you're gonna sacrifice an american city sorry houston but you're on the list before they nuke houston 
my one of my favorite scenes, or probably my actual favorite scene in the movie, is in the base when they're talking to the alien, and then the president asks him if the glass is bulletproof, and the guy's like, "No, sir," and you could tell he's like ready, and then they just fucking unload on this thing. Yeah, Adam Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he asks him, "Is it bulletproof?" No, sir. <laughs> he's ready to go. That guy. Yeah, this alien is in a gigantic, eight foot tall, multi tentacled armored suit. Looks like it weighs 500 pounds. Why didn't it just fucking break the window itself? Straight out of a hentai picture, this guy. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you're into squid girls, this thing probably gets you off. Yeah, for sure. Like, I just love when they shoot that thing and they just unload into it. Is that glass bulletproof? No, sir. Yeah, and uh, they didn't have Will Smith in there ready to go in case it wakes up to punch out. They didn't have any guards in the room, I don't think. It was just all scientists. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think sure. there should have been a scene where Will Smith tried to go hand-to-hand with it a second time while it wasn't trapped in the ship, and it just, like, dismembered him. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> annihilated him. Right. <laughs> Welcome to Mars. Right. That would been good, yeah. Ugh. Um, but after they try to nuke the ships, the president's, like, secretary of defense is, like, Let's try again. We might have better luck. I love that part. Yeah, a third time he's like, no, we need to try again. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, people? I love that. We might have better luck. Like, what kind of luck could you possibly have, like, sending another nuke? Like, like you might just get lucky and what? Like, <laughs> how would you get lucky? Like, you fucking win the lottery, like, right. on the way? Like, <laughs> Maybe they've decided to take their shields down for no reason. For, like, that split second or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe oh, they have some, lucky. like, bumbling alien working the controls that day. He's, like, came in late for work and he forgot to turn on the shields. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, looks like it's our lucky day. Zebo, <laughs> you turn the shields on? Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and then the missile comes in. He's, like, hung over drinking coffee at his desk. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Last night was crazy. <laughs> We don't need the shields. We blew those things up. <laughs> They're all dead, right? Uh, well, uh, next big thing that happens is Will Smith, um, he steals a helicopter from Area 51, and he finds Vivica Fox and the First Lady immediately. Oh, yeah. That's cool how you can just steal it. <laughs> I, I heard the, uh, the uh, director defend that scene. He said that the reason that he was able to find them so quickly is because they had said to meet at the base, so he yeah. just went to the base and found her. Yeah, she Makes went to sense. El Toro with the uh, uh, president's wife looking to see if they could find Will Smith, not knowing the base had been destroyed. Yeah. And Will Smith found out it had been destroyed from Robert Loja's character a few moments before. Oh, and then Robert she has to Loja. tell the, fr- she has to tell the first lady and she's a stripper. <laughs> Somebody else has to remember that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, that happens and she dies, right? The first lady, she doesn't make it. Yeah. She's in the hospital. Uh, when they rescue her, uh, they reunite briefly, but then she's in the hospital or not a hospital, but they have like a makeshift. She's in area 51 on the bed. Yeah. And I guess she has like internal bleeding or hemorrhaging or something or she's there. She's not going to make it. Yeah. She's like, she's like too injured. She kicks the bucket. Bill Pullman has a pretty good scene with this kid where, you know, he tells the kid that she went to sleep. Is mommy sleeping now? Yeah. Mommy's sleeping. Hey. 
pretty good. But then immediately that scene is undercut by like the comedy of the next scene, which is like Jeff Goldblum throwing a tantrum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and he's drunk and he's like throwing a can. He's like, let's just waste the whole planet. He's like, litter, they won't want it. Yeah, like if he fucking knocks over a desk, the aliens are going to (laughs) leave. The bottle and he's just that drunk. is literally part of an episode of Futurama. I love that. There's a giant garbage ball hurtling toward Earth that had been flung off the Earth back in the 20th century. And uh, they realize after multiple failed plans, the best way to defer it from hitting the Earth is to launch an equally large garbage ball at it so the two of them bounce off each other. So they start telling everyone in New York not to recycle anything and to just throw everything in the street so they've got garbage to use. But nobody oh knows how to do it because um, garbage has been like banned. Everyone yeah. recycles. Yeah, everyone recycles. So Fry's, Fry's the only one who knows how to do it and he's like telling people how to litter and make garbage. <laughs> oh my so god. had a litter like the yeah. 20th century. That show is amazing. It's just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeff Goldblum, I just love how he's he's drunk and just rambling and pissed off. Yeah. That guy's been through some shit, man. He was a fly at one point in his life. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was a fly. <laughs> he's gone through a lot of bullshit, man. Right? He, he barely was... got out of that dinosaur park yeah, with his life. Park. Right? Dude, he... God, where did he use it? He... he uh... I think it's in the scene where he's... One of the scenes where he's in the car with his father... And he's telling his father to go faster. Oh, no, no. It's at the end when they're leaving the alien mothership. That's right. So you know. He repeats the line from Jurassic Park from the Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. Must go faster. Must go faster. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. I was was, like feeling a real sense of familiarity while that scene was going on. And (laughs) that's why. Yeah. Um, So now we're on the the 4th of July uh, where, you know, Jeff Goldblum is having his tantrum. But he realizes through a conversation with his dad that the solution is to give the aliens a virus. I guess it's because he has access somehow to their signal that they're sending. I don't really know. He's Whatever. figured out how to monitor their signal. This part, this part can't be defended. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, well, not this exact part, I was going to try, but you know what? Fuck no, it. <laughs> no. The, the whole thing with the virus, I mean, in the most movie sense, okay, fine, everyone gets it. Oh, it's a virus. It breaks their computers. But how is Jeff Goldblum going to get a virus into an alien computer? How does he like USB get stick. that like uplink? Yeah, USB <laughs> stick. All oh, these aliens are using USB. No, he Who sends them. What the fuck they're using? He sends them an email. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, hello, how can my he, name is Kamal. How can he possibly know any kind of communication like protocol with he, these aliens? He offers them a hundred thousand space bucks <laughs> if they click a link and just fill in their. Well, yeah, if like you would kindly number? loan me fifty-seven thousand dollars American, <laughs> I will wire you back one point four million as a thank you. What kind of code or virus could he possibly write that somehow communicates with the alien mothership? This this makes no sense on any like technical level. Mad Magazine ran a spoof of the movie a few months after it came out, and in their spoof, um, what they were uploading was Windows ninety five. <laughs> because it it, had, it was it still at the time had such a reputation for crashes and compatibility issues. They're just like, yeah, it's Windows 95. It's going to crash the whole system. <laughs> so, yeah, Jeff Goldblum sounds like this insane idea that only works in this movie to give them the virus. But to give them the virus, they have to actually be in the alien mothership. Oh, yeah. That Will Smith is properly... Uh, trained to fly because he flew against it once. He even mentions that. He's like, oh, how do you know how to fly? He's like, I outmaneuvered one once. It's not impossible. <laughs> I used to get womp rats. and <laughs> Will Smith outmaneuvered this yeah, he's one the, He used to bullseye womp rats back in his day. <laughs> right. And he's like an expert on the ship. He knows everything about it. They're not much bigger it. than three meters. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they form the team. It's Will Smith who can fly the plane, and Jeff Goldblum's going to do the virus thing. Yeah, Jeff, well, Jeff Goldblum's going to provide the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Will uh, Smith has the cigars. Uh, I mean, well, in this... I guess I'm, I'm skipping a little bit here, but like another element of it that makes no sense is that so they've got to get up to the mothership to plant the virus, God knows how, into its computer system. But clearly... I mean, this is an ultra-advanced species. All of the ships are linked both to each other and to the mothership. So when they fly back up there, it goes on autopilot the moment it re-enters the mothership and starts flying itself to a dock. The, the, the aliens work in the control booth, and there obviously are some because we see them. The aliens work in the control booth would have noticed this ship coming back unexpectedly. Why did it come back? Like, if you worked at a human military base in the Air Force or the Marines, where there were jets, and a bunch of them were supposed to be out fighting or on patrol, and one of them came back hours early, completely unannounced. And it was from the 60s. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. You asked them to identify yourself. Right. You know, but yeah, brand new plane, it's from your squadron, but you're going to go, why the hell are you back? Somebody's going to want, like, you're two hours early. What the hell are you doing here? You know, it's, it's just weird that they'd be able to, like, sneak back into the plane and the, rest, the other aliens are like, oh, I guess that guy's back. The best part <laughs> is, the best part is, is not only that, to to go on Steve's point, it's exactly it. They somehow make it back through all the things and no one says anything, but they have a window and they're scared of being seen. So he has to put up the window protector and then their solution is to literally hide behind the seats so they won't yeah. be seen. That's their plan. They're like, oh, let's get behind the seats. After like they they've hide. already been seen. Yeah, after they've already been seen. <laughs> they just go around to the back. That's their whole plan is to hide behind the seats. Pretty solid plan. And right? smoke cigars. This is where they smoke a cigar, too. They have enough time to, like, smoke a cigar and chit-chat. Well, they do upload the virus successfully. Yeah. And the, the whole point of the virus, I don't even know if we mentioned, is to remove the shields. Yeah. So I don't even think that's still a guaranteed win. If the alien ships don't have their shields, then yeah. you can fire on them, sure, but are you going to win? Right. I would think in that case they'd still eventually just win through being more advanced and more powerful than what we were fighting with. Right. Uh, it, it's real strange. I mean, they, we got a secret weapon, though, that we haven't talked about. So I'm going to get to him in a minute. So they upload the virus. The alien shield goes, goes down. Now, the president... um. And company, they they start a, what's it called, like an attack force. So they yeah. gather up all the remaining soldiers. The president himself volunteers because he used to be the, a pilot. Yeah, he so actually he gets in a cockpit. Men. Yeah, he's like, I got to be up there with them. He gives the big speech. Oh, the speech. He gives the big speech before they all take off. There's two things yeah. worth knowing about this speech. Number one, they filmed it in the same hangar where the Enola Gay was kept. The Enola Gay, if you don't know, is the ship, the plane that dropped the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. Um, secondly, they added lines to the end of that speech that were not originally in the script, yeah. specifically to get Pullman to use the, the term Independence Day. And they did it because another studio, I think Warner or someone, actually had the rights to Universal or Independence Day as a movie title. And it turned into a legal battle. And if the studio trying to get the name can say, you know, it was taken from dialogue in the film, it makes their, their case way stronger. And uh, Emrich and, and um, Devlin, Devlin did not want the studio to avoid going. Like, they really wanted the name Independence Day. 
And they were concerned that if they didn't do something that forced the studio to go get the name, that the studio would say, no, the legal fight's going to cost too much. Call it something else. Yeah. So, yeah. That is pretty oh, interesting. Man. So yeah, that is. So that famous speech that, you know, is kind of a big part of this movie, the last part where he says, today we celebrate our Independence Day, that was just kind of added on later. Yeah. Pretty good. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so this is their final stand. This is, this is where they make their final stand. They start... Uh, enlisting the help of random people who have flight experience and randy quaid is one of them total randos total rando quaids (laughs) rando rando (laughs) so they they enlist randy quaid and while they're going through the volunteers they're like uh so tell us a little bit about yourself and he's like oh i was in vietnam uh ever since then i've really been crop dusting and that's pretty much it he's also clearly drunk off his ass He's slurring, can barely stand. It's like... Well, that's just how he showed up to set that day. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) Put on some makeup and just get him on there. You know what? Maybe that's why they're so willing to ignore it in that scene, because they were trying to pretend like he wasn't really... (laughs) Randy Quaid was just drunk, and the rest of them were trying to pretend he wasn't. (laughs) Here's one thing that bugs me. So he says, oh, and as, as a side note, I was abducted by aliens once. And uh, I'm really glad that I have this chance to get revenge. And they, Adam Baldwin and his like helper, like look at each other, like this guy's crazy, motherfucker. There's aliens in the sky right now. The whole reason you're there at that moment <laughs> is to discuss fighting the aliens. <laughs> like, are you not aware of what's happening? And they think he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think maybe you know the letting go of of the crazy bit has got to be happening here. Let's let's. let's it no. might be time to start listening to people with alien stories. There's a 15 mile wide ship hovering over Earth. Have You've you noticed? Already tried like, to attack. Yeah, multiple times unsuccessfully. You're talking about fighting it right now. That's the purpose of this meeting. Like, okay. The aliens, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, what are you talking now about? we gotta go fight these uh these aliens <laughs> extraterrestrials. Yeah. Next you're gonna tell me people put corn kernels in the microwave. Like fuck. <laughs> uh so we got our big fight. Now America being the America that we are, we uh we inform the rest of the world that we've figured out the solution. And uh, it's kind of funny how they make it seem like every other country is just like waiting for America to figure out the way to fix this problem. It shows like the other countries and they have their telegrams and they're like getting the signal. They're like, oh, look, we, the Americans. Like, we finally gotten word from America. (laughs) America did it. (laughs) I don't want to interject any political stuff, but I, I make note of the fact that there are, there's at least one country in the Middle East where this movie cannot be shown. And the reason why is because during that scene, there's a part where you see Iraqi and Israeli military forces joining together to fight the aliens together the whole purpose of the scene is supposed to be everyone's putting aside their differences as people like we're all fighting to save each other and they won't allow this film to be shown because it features the israeli military wow yeah yeah people suck right (laughs) (laughs) you can't have peace between these two nations be shown no that's terrible (laughs) it's like uh how some films can't be shown in china because like they have all these stringent rules, like you can't have anything with ghosts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, so and it like criticizes the the parties. Yeah. Yeah, just weird shit like that. There's weird rules, yeah. I, I'm glad we're out here in the land of the free, you know? Oh, yeah, everything's perfect here. <laughs> 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 all right, so where were we? We got a, the launch and the assault. They upload the virus. Doesn't work at first, of course, for no explained reason, but then it works suddenly. So they fire a missile at the at one of the big ships and it, it doesn't do anything. 
but then they fire again and it works. So then they just, they basically, um, have a, like a dog fight, you know, in the air, alien ships versus our jets. Um, but it's clear that we're not going to win because they still have their massive ship and it still has the big gun, which they're about to fire on us. But like I mentioned, we got a secret weapon. Yep. And that's Echo himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a suicidal maniac by the name of Randy Quaid. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late, Mr. President. Or yeah. What does he say? <laughs> I'm so drunk I couldn't figure out how to take off. <laughs> <laughs> so the the aliens are opening up their big gun and it's assumed, it's never really stated, but it's assumed that that's their weakness, right? They need to fire at the big gun when it opens up. Right. And no one has any missiles. And Randy Quaid has one, but it gets jammed. So he just like, you know, kamikazes his way up as right as it's about to fire. Really good timing, actually. Because as soon as it fires, he touches it and it like detonates backwards. It like blows up the rest of their huge ship. Now, this is going on all over the world with all the alien ships in the different parts of our country and others. I mean, you got to think that they all have their own Randy Quaid doing this, right? <laughs> Every one of them's got like some crazy motherfucker like that. <laughs> Just gonna go up. You got like the China equivalent yeah. of Randy Quaid that's like flying into the thing. Because <laughs> after that happens, they say, "Spread the word. Tell them we know how to beat them." Somebody has to fly into it. <laughs> you need like, sacrifice themselves. You need right? to get the alcoholic guy. Yeah, he's yeah. the drunkest, yeah. craziest pilot here. Yeah, you guys all have mentally ill, completely drunk off their ass crop dusters around here. <laughs> like we all seem to have one, sir. <laughs> all right, send them up at the laser. Are they Vietnam veterans <laughs> with bad memories of their time in the war? Like, got to be just the right combo. Uh, I mean, he he dies defending his nation and protecting his kids. It's pretty nice, I guess. It should have been Will Smith. <laughs> You know what's really funny right there? You just mentioned his kids. I don't think we mentioned them once. No. no. I, I mean, I will say something about his yeah. oldest kid, I think, is Miguel. Yeah. Uh, he was Frank and Donnie Darko. The daughter oh, okay. was in the Flipper movie with Elijah Wood. <laughs> yeah, his kids were pretty forgettable. And the other kid was... I just remember him throwing up a lot in the movie. Yeah. yeah you know what? It kind of seemed like there was meant to be a subplot where they found out he had like leukemia or something and it just didn't happen he was sick a lot yeah like bad sick i hope he's all right maybe it's that fucking nuke that fucking radiation just drinking out of randy's flask (laughs) turns out whatever randy's drinking is laced with psilocybin and all kinds of nasty shit just paint thinner this is just liquid ketamine dad Wow, the aliens. Really? (laughs) You get the Randy Quaid reaction from the beginning. Are you sure? (laughs) Don't listen to him. He's been on hallucinogens 24-7 for 40 years. So, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are still up in the mothership. They do upload the virus, but they can't get out because they're, like, stuck in their, like, docking bay thing. They have, like, clamps on the top of the ship. So they're like, well, I guess we're going to die here. So they light up their cigars. You know, the, they're not supposed to do that until the end of the mission. Until the fat lady sings. Until the fucking fat lady sings. <laughs> You're obsessed with the fat lady. Forget about the fat lady. Um, so they, they decide to launch the nuke in the mothership that they have. But somehow just them launching that releases them from the clamps. Did you guys get that? No, I don't know how that I works. thought it was just some kind of like conveniently timed thing or just somehow... Now that you mention it, I don't even know how they got out. They just did. Well, they launch it, and then they, yeah. they clamps let go. Oh, sure. But yeah. it's before it detonates. Yeah. See, so, like, I don't know. It seemed to me like they should have just been trapped or all went off. Like, 
But I guess you don't want to do that at the end of a movie like this. No, I mean, you got Randy Quaid. You can't kill off Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. <laughs> at least get Jeff Goldblum out of there. Come on. It's a national treasure. Well, I mean, he is. He's pretty like, good. I, I really need him and Christopher Walken to be in something together someday. <laughs> I, I could dig it. Right? Um. So, yeah, they, they get out of there, basically. They're, they're chased out by alien ships, but they, they make it out. They get through the door as it's closing at the last minute. There's yeah. another Star Wars related thing it's like an empire oh yeah when they're in the space slugs mouth you know and they right. get out like right before it closes it, it looks like it's closed but they get out like the smallest sliver yeah it looks like it's already second. like done yeah but they just make it out just like an empire strikes yeah. back too actually <laughs> it'd be funny if the alien ship tries to take a bite at him as and it's then, getting away as they ex- uh, escape the whole thing behind him explodes and it's like a huge supernova explosion yeah it's, it's massive yeah but, I mean, they make it back to Earth safely, and <clears throat> everything's hunky-dory. It's kind of like the, you get the Independence Day feels from this. It's like, we did it. We beat the aliens. We fucking, we outsmarted them, because, you know, our, we're human and American, <laughs> and therefore we win. Yeah, America. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much that. I mean, it's called Independence Day. Right. And Boomer's in one of the last scenes when it shows him reuniting uh, Will Smith and his girlfriend, and... Uh, it shows him driving in the truck. Boomer's in the truck there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it would have been a better ending if at the very end they all get reunited, shows Boomer, but then it zooms in on Boomer's face and he looks at the camera and his eyes light up yellow like he's an alien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking exactly the same he was thing. Yeah. Turns yeah. out like Boomer's the one that called him to Earth in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been gathering data on the humans. Boomer's, Boomer's <laughs> revenge. <laughs> it's so weird that like, you know, Will Smith's girlfriend's had Boomer since 1970, and he hasn't aged at all. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll be Independence Day three. Isn't that pretty much the end? Boomer's Revenge. Yep, that's the end. I mean, there's there's a few little things here that we didn't talk about, but it's it means pretty straightforward. I mean, it's day one, day two, and day three. Aliens show up. They attack us. We fight back and lose. We fight back again and win. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty straight. It's like a Rocky movie. Yeah, right. so, <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum's a zany genius. Or Jeff uh, Goldblum's great. I love him in this movie and pretty much any movie that he's in, he, except for the new Jurassic Park movie. Fuck that shit. Yeah, no, fuck it. But he was only in it for one scene. Yeah, it's still too much. He said, uh, "Welcome to Jurassic World." In it, I was like, "No, bro. How much did they pay you? Why have you just going to say? I wonder how much they paid you. Disgrace yourself." Nah, he's still cool though. Getting any amount of money for that, like that's gonna be insane. How much money they probably give him just to say that line? (laughs) It's more of a little monologue that ends on that line, but still, probably a lot. Yeah, it's crazy for him to debase himself in that way. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Steve, on any rating scale you want, what would you give Independence Day? On a scale of one to ten flying saucers, I'm gonna give Independence Day. I'm going to give Independence Day a five and a half, which is average to slightly better than. And there's a lot to nitpick. It's kind of a stupid movie. I don't like Will Smith. I never will. Well, but, but we're at the end of the podcast. You're supposed to like him now, by now. No, I'm sorry. I just, that arc didn't happen for me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the special effects still hold up. The The practical models they put together for the building explosion scenes took a lot of work were super cool and they wrote magazine articles about them they deserve some credit for that um 
it was a big, huge deal the year it came out. And at 13 in 1996, I didn't leave the theater with any of these thoughts. You know, at the time, I, I found it enjoyable. So I'll, I'll say it was a five to a five and a half out of ten. That's the best Independent Day is ever going to get from me. <laughs> like, and frankly, this might be the last time I watch it for a decade or so. <laughs> maybe ever. Maybe ever. What about you, Alan? I have to be almost on the same page as Steve. I was going to say four out of ten boomers. <laughs> <laughs> It was a uh, it was a big dumb movie. A lot of it didn't make sense, but Jeff Goldblum kills it just being zany. The effects were really good, and I, at the time, like just like Steve said, at the time we didn't think anything of this. It was just a big action movie, and watching it now, I mean, the effects are great. Uh, there is a couple scenes that don't look so great, but yeah, I'll probably never watch it again. But it's entertaining at the very least, or it has some entertainment value at least. Yeah, and I mean. Boomer. I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. Uh, Just to be a little different, I'll do a four-star rating system, and I'm going to give it uh, two out of four buckwheats. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's right in the middle of the road for me. It's not horrible. It's not bad, bad, but it's not very good either. It's like I I, I kept thinking to myself, like, is this a good movie? Like, I I can't really answer that. (laughs) I mean, there's some stuff in it that's really impressive. But I don't know that it's like enjoyable to watch necessarily. But it's not bad. Yeah, it hovers like in a weird middle <laughs> zone. Yeah, it's this weird, weird area that I fucking hate, actually. Right. And you <laughs> like, just... what are you? Are you good or are you bad? <laughs> what are you? And it can't really be an age thing because, like, there are others that have held the test. Like, Close Encounters of the Third time, a third Kind has stood the test of time. Yes, the it o- has. The Star Wars OT has stood the test of time. Like, there can be, they, don't, they don't need to be new. You know, this one just, it really, it's not falling apart as, as some others, the same degree as some others have, but it's, it ain't, it ain't that good. Like other films we've reviewed that look like shit. <laughs> right. It's no T2 though. No. No, I mean T2's special. Ooh, and like, I don't think we mentioned once the terrible sequel to this movie. I know. I don't even want to acknowledge the fact that it exists. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure we'll review it one day to Steve's, to Steve's delight. It's 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 the RoboCop three of the Independence Day franchise, even though they've only made two. Is that the one where there's the two Japanese swordsman ones? Yeah, or is that RoboCop they, two. No, that was three, and they couldn't get Peter Weller back because the script was so bad. Like, in wait, who who was RoboCop? Uh, an actor whose name I can't remember. It wasn't Peter Weller. It was not Peter Weller. He wouldn't come back. He literally said he did disliked it to the point where he didn't want to come. We know what most bothered him about it was the jetpack scene. Oh my god! I I love that line. Independence Day two makes <laughs> it looks like RoboCop three. What did you say with RoboCop three? The RoboCop yeah. three of the Independence Day universe. Even though it's the second one, right? Even the second one because they couldn't get the star back. Like they couldn't get Will Smith back. No, they couldn't. They got some other guy. And yeah. it's funny though because they brought Brent Spiner back, who was yeah. clearly dead, dead in this movie. And there's, with no explanation, it's like, hey, remember when I was dead? Not really. In the commentary, Roland Emmerich, <laughs> when it shows Brent Spiner very clearly dead with his eyes like open and he's just there dead, not breathing. Right. He's like, oh, he's not dead. He's in a coma. In the <laughs> oh, commentary. So oh. later, you already knew. <laughs> Such bullshit. I was like, you fucking piece of shit. Right. Fuck you. Man, he really likes him then. Imagine he's like hooking him up. Hey, I got a future job for you. Your character didn't really die. No, he's just unconscious. <laughs> Well, that's Independence Day. Yeah. I think we are ready to draw from the hat for our next film. Uh, Steve, if you would do the honor since you're closest to it. You've loaded this thing somehow. No, no. So so the hat has less picks than normal. And the reason why 
is because I made a special hat just for this one occasion. Then we'll go back to the regular. It's hat. all kids' movies, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> no, I know what it is. Knew it. Is it all the same movie? No, it's not. All it's really right. not. Wait, is it, it is, really that? I it's all it was... it's all kids' movie. Because you know what? We haven't done a kids' movie in a while, and I think we're about ready. I hope this is a Batman movie. As much as I hate the ones I know we're going to have to watch, I really hope this is a Batman movie. I thought it was all Will Smith movies. No, that would be too <laughs> fucked up. How dare you? Couldn't do that back to back. You guys don't want to see Wild Wild West? No, never again. Yes! <laughs> yes, Batman Forever! <laughs> wow. That is the best possible way that could have come out for me. It does say, I'm sorry, Steve, and thank you, I appreciate that. I hate this movie, but I'm still happy that that's what we got. You're glad it wasn't Dennis the Menace? Oh, oh. God, is that in there? <laughs> no, but... Thank God. Some of its contemporaries are in there. <laughs> so All right, so it looks like next time we'll be reviewing Batman Forever. So stay tuned for that. If you guys want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Night.